Welcome back to Sunday Gold. It's been a minute since we've been on here to talk some Florida State baseball. Um, been a lot going on this summer, but we haven't had much time. We haven't found many times for Aria and I to sit down together and, and talk over some of this stuff. And Aria's still got some things going on. And um, I'm going to be doing this podcast alone. So just this here for me um, for now. But, you know, Aria is still going to keep doing this. And just want to congratulate Ari on, on his new role with ACC Network and ESPN. Um, you know, that's something that he's been working hard at for for such a long time. And I know it's something that the Masudi family is is very happy to, you know, for him to finally get that role. And, and he's super happy. So just glad to see that happen for him. And I know he'll be on some soccer games here soon on some national networks. So um, just really cool gig for my co-host. And and super excited for him, but also super excited to be doing this again with him sometime soon and being being able to sit down across from each other with the mics and, and talk some FSU baseball because I think that's the, the thing that we enjoy to do the most is is break down this program, cover this program, and, and just get to see it progress. Um, and I think we're really excited to see this program progress under Link Jarrett and his new staff. Um, for this podcast by myself, just going to review a lot of the stuff that happened this summer, stuff that I think is important to talk about, um, you know, whether that's coaching staff, the MLB draft, recruiting, um, some summer ball stuff, some transfer portal stuff, uh, just a lot to go over. Um, and then at the end of this, we'll get to mailbag. I had a lot of questions. Uh, I think, you know, some 30 plus questions between the board at 247 and on Twitter uh, today um, after I put a tweet out. Uh, just we'll try to get to as many as those as possible probably won't hit all of them but gonna try to get to at least 10 of them depending on how long I talk for Um, gonna try to get in and out of topics as fast as possible but do want to you know cover all these things as as thoroughly as possible at the same time Um, I think we'll start off with the with the new staff which is the most important thing to me Um, you know I think Link Jarrett has built um, you know obviously he's brought over a lot of guys from Notre Dame um, but I do really like this staff. Uh, we'll start with recruiting coordinator Rich Wallace, who follows Link from Notre Dame. Uh, Link hired him at Notre Dame when he first got there to be his recruiting coordinator. After he spent some time at uh, Jacksonville as their recruiting coordinator, uh, he was also assistant coach at UCF from 2004 to 2008, at High Point from 2009 to 2014, and at Creighton from 25, 2015 to 2017. And I believe he was named the recruiting coordinator of the year one year in the Big East. Um, so he has a lot of experience as being that that guy on the recruiting um, side of things at a lot of different venues. Uh, his biggest ties are in Orlando, which is big for Florida State. He played at UCF and is from Orlando. Uh, like I said, too, he, he was a recruiting coordinator at JU, so he knows um, how Florida works and, and the pool of talent that, that is in Florida. Um, you know, He also does a lot of stuff on the coaching side of things and help the, to help link Jared out. Um, you know, in the article they put out, they had mentioned, you know, he's going to oversee defensive alignments, uh, opposing pitcher video uh, scouting reports. He's also the third base coach and he'll work with hitters um, and also work with the catchers um, like former recruiting coordinator Mike Metcalf did. Um, so, you know, it's a guy that knows Florida, has some real ties in Orlando. Um, he's just I think it's a good hire. I think he'll help you on both sides of the both sides of coaching and both sides on, you know, on the recruiting and coaching. Um, and just as a big part of the, the, the details that go into everyday process for link and the things that he likes to do. Pitching coach Chuck Rustano is also following links from uh, Notre Dame and he's been there for a long, long time. And you know, 
this was the one for me that I didn't know for sure if FSU was going to get him to come down to, to Tallahassee. But, you know, and then they did uh, after he spent 12 years at Notre Dame. You know, over his time as a pitching coach, he has 36 players selected in the MLB draft, nine MLB players, and 26 All-Americans. Um, you know, he's also going to, he was also the, li- the, li- the liaison to MLB scouts and scouting directors uh, at Notre Dame. Uh, does a lot of stuff with the technology side, uh, implements a lot of advanced player development um, technology. He also will ma- maintain maintain the, the yearly calendar for the program and help uh, put together the practice plans. Uh, he's, he's also going to be in recruiting a little bit, and uh, you know, he, he, do- he handles a lot of the academic matters, or at least he did at Notre Dame, and kind of expect him to do somewhat of the same um, going, in, going into Florida State. Um, cool note about Ristano, he was actually the, the BP pitcher for Trey Mancini at the 2021 Home Run Derby. Uh, I believe Mancini was runner-up that year. Um, you know, pretty good story there. Uh, he's always had, you know, good pitching staffs in Notre Dame, and, you know, especially this past year, I think they had the most strikeouts in school school history and struck out 10.7 batters for nine, and they led the ACC in ERA and hits allowed per nine this past season. Um, so the track record speaks for itself. Um, just like uh, Jimmy Bellinger, Florida State's past pitching coach, he, he also was a pitching coach at Monmouth. I think Belly might have actually replaced him there after Restrano left for Temple in 2010, but was at Notre Dame from 2011 on. You know, the thing I've heard about Restrano the most is that he's just a, a really good guy and kind of hard-nosed, tough guy, but you know, very lovable at the same time. And, um, and he does a good job of mixing the, metri- the metrics, everything that goes into pitching these days. But, you know, also just having some old school to him. Um, but, you know, I've, all I've heard is, you know, he's great with the technology and, and knowing the things that matter and the numbers that matter and, and getting pitchers to, to be their best. Uh, volley coach Brad Vanderglass is also coming over from Notre Dame. He was hired by Link this, this past season uh, going into 2022 after five seasons at Indiana State. Uh, I think Indiana State had been to – I think they'd been to the postseason two out of the last three years or maybe the last two seasons before he went there. Um, and when you exclude the, the shortened season because of COVID, uh, he'll work with the outfielders just like uh, Andrew Amaro did last season. Uh, he also helps manage practices, and he'll be the guy that leads camps and clinics for Florida State when they bring prospects uh, onto campus to have those guys close up close and personal. Um, he also assists with scouting reports, defensive alignments, infield destruction a little bit. Um, just does a little bit of everything, especially in the ba- uh, base running side of things. Um, so, and just another guy that knows, knows Link's process and what he likes to do. Uh, the hire I really liked too was they brought in a grad assistant, Seth Manis, who was a pitcher in the MLB for the Cardinals and Royals for five years recently. Uh, he threw in a 252 career games as a major league player. He was most recently the coordinator of player development at, at UNC Wilmington and, and helped out with them a lot there. And, the, you know, I think that his focus mostly will be on the pitching side. I think he'll help out Rostano and kind of be like an assistant to him and, and work closely with those pitchers on day-to-day, especially in scouting reports. Um, and also, you know, has a pretty good hand in the video and technology side and, and how those things work from his times in the pros and, and you know, being able to use that stuff himself when he was pitching, you know, not too long ago. Uh, and the connection to Jared is, you know, he was recruited to ECU when Link was there and was a four-time first-team, you know, USA player um, while Link was there. I don't know. If, don't remember 
don't recall exactly if Link was there the whole time Manus was there, but he was recruited by Jarrett to go play there and obviously had had a pretty good career or pretty great career at East Carolina. Uh, he'll be working towards his master's degree um, in sport management as part of, as, as part of being the grad assistant. But overall, just a really good, a really smart way to utilize that role. Uh, I don't think Florida State's had a grad assistant in recent years. They might have had one two years ago, but I don't believe he traveled. Um, but Manis overall will just help with the development side of, of those pitchers and, and obviously the experience in the big leagues help, helps, uh, helps also. Um, just overall thoughts on the staff, you know, I just think it will be very cohesive from what these guys, the experience they have with each other. Um, Link Jarrett's a guy that wants things done in a very certain way in his own way and these guys more so than anyone know that and i think that's gonna correlate to just organization quick organization here in this program and you know understanding of of what the daily process looks like and 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 what's needed out of everybody on a day-to-day to to you know get this program back to omaha in june when it all when it's all said and done um but i just think all these guys know each other very well. You know, practices should run smooth from the beginning. Um, you know, I think these assistant coaches are also extremely respected by their peers. And everyone I've talked to has, has spoke highly as, of both Wallace and Rostano and, and what they can do. Um, so looking forward to really getting to know the staff a little better and seeing them work together on the pra- at practices and, and seeing how those roll. Um, but, you know, overall, I think this staff was, was – was one that they got who they wanted uh, at every position for the most part, and it was it was just well done. And, and you know, I think it's it's a group that will you know hit the ground running. I think just because of that that knowledge of each other and, and how the process is going to be done on a day to day basis. All right, we'll move on to summer ball and highlight some guys that that did pretty good this summer. Um, you know, there were a handful of. I want to say I think there were 12 some just over 10 players that that were playing this summer um you know some guys did a little better than others uh, some guys plays in some bigger leagues than other but all that experience it, it matters and it helps it helps those guys to get ready for for spring when it rolls around um two two first guys to highlight is uh Carson Montgomery and Wyatt Crow both those guys played for Team USA this summer um neither of them allowed an earned run in, in their time with Team USA I believe Team USA ended up getting, uh, I want to say they got the bronze medal at the tournament they went and played at. Um, Carson threw six innings with them, only gave up three hits and had seven Ks, no earned runs allowed. Uh, Monty also had a, he had one start in the Cape, I believe, for, I want to say for Falmouth, I believe, and uh, four scoreless in that lone start. So you know, for the summer, completely only 10 innings, but didn't allow any runs. Uh, so that's good to see just for Carson's confidence and for him to get, you know, just more and more consistent. That's just what you need out of him. Um, Wyatt threw four innings for USA, all in relief, um, only allowed three hits, uh, struck out six. Did have some walks, but didn't let, allow any, any earned runs in that work. And, you know, I think people are starting to realize on the national scene how good Wyatt is. And it's it's weird to me that it's taken as long as it has for people to recognize Wyatt Crowell's talent and his arm talent and, and what he could potentially be um because it just it pops off the page it's hard to miss when you see him um the athleticism and just how the ball jumps out of his hand and that slider is still to me one of if not the best pitch in college baseball I mean it's just it's, it's unhittable when he's on 
some other guys, uh, Connor Whitaker, Connor Moore, and Cade Bush, uh, were all on the same team in the perfect game, uh, collegiate baseball league. I believe their team won that league as well and was pretty dominant. I think at one point they were like 30 and four or something, uh, Whitaker told me, uh, but, uh, you know, Cade Bush was a guy that had gone in the portal, but is going to be back at Florida state this, this year. Um, Whitaker probably had the best summer out of those guys. 2.01 ERA over 22.1 innings pitched. Had 34 Ks to eight walks. So uh, that's just him improving off a really good freshman year. And, you know, I think as high as on Whitaker as almost anyone on this roster. And, you know, I think that he's, uh, no matter where he is, what role he is, he's just going to give you solid innings in production. Uh, Cade, Cade had a 293 average with four homers, nine doubles, and 23 walks in 48 games. Uh, believe you know only had I think he only had 28 Ks as well so not too bad on the K rate there across 48 games um, also that's a it's a heck of a lot of ABs to get for a summer and it's just it's really good uh, to get you back into you know a routine and playing every day um, and some of those guys needed that this summer Connor Moore hit 238 there over 80 ABs he did have seven extra base hits and seven stolen bases and that's what he'll provide is he's a guy that's He's toolsy, he's fast, probably one of the faster guys in this roster, but it's also got some power in that bat, some pop that he can leave the yard um, here and there. And, and, you know, when he's in the lineup consistently, he's going he's gonna to hit some homers. A um, couple more Cape guys. Jackson Baumeister made six starts for Hyannis. First one was really rough. Uh, I don't think he recorded any outs. But after that, he was, he was real good. And, um, you know, for the, his last five starts, he had a 2.57 ERA. Um, but for the whole course of the summer, including the full start, that first start, he had a 4.28 ERA over 21 innings pitch. Uh, you know, I think the big thing for Baum was getting back in the strike zone, uh, trying to find the feel for the fastball and where he was releasing it because his misses so often were just the high, the fastball getting up and away from him and not having the timing down on it and not being able to get it down in the zone for strikes. But when he's got that fastball, at that top or ha- top top half of the strike zone can be as good as as anyone and i think the other big thing for him is he's trying to work in it. he's trying to work a slider into his arsenal now um he's had the curveball but the slider would give him more of an out pitch and i think that if he can develop a useful one that would be really that would be really big for him um brendan oxford who i'll talk about shortly coming from uh transfer portal he was also in the cape had a 0.69 era over 26 innings pitched 33 Ks to nine walks and was a league all-star um, for Brewster. Uh, I also believe he had a save in, in the post in the postseason. I want to say it, it sent them to the championship game, and he actually committed to Florida State right after that. Um, so pretty cool moment for him. A couple guys in the Northwood League, uh, Andrew Armstrong and David Barrett. I think they were on the same team. They had pretty solid summers. Uh, Barrett. Excuse me. Barrett had 3.06 ERA over 17.2 innings, and Armstrong had a 4.3 ERA over 23 innings pitched. Um, good to see both those guys get a good workload. You know, Barrett was someone who disappeared last year, around just disappeared innings wise, and I didn't really expect it. I thought going into the year he'd probably be the top guy for Florida State, righty on righty, and just you know those one batter situations with the slider he has. Um, but it never really progressed into that. Um, I'm interested to see what he looks like coming back this year and if he can be that righty, righty guy moving forward. Um, and Armstrong, you know, I've always thought he could be the lefty-lefty guy, but he just wasn't 
given that many opportunities to get comfortable in that role. And, um, you know, I've always thought that Army can be a useful arm for you. If he's in the right roles and he's throwing strikes, you know, it's just it's a funky look. And when he's throwing strikes, getting ahead of batters, and it's just there's a lot of guessing at the plate when he's when he's ahead because so many different pitches and from that angle he comes from, he can be a problem. Um, I think that's all the summer ball guys I wanted to highlight. So move on to I think we'll view the MLB draft and how that went for Florida State. Um, you know, all three guys I thought would get drafted for FSU did go. Parker Messick, Bryce Hubbard, Brett Roberts. And Florida State also had no recruits selected. Um, Parker went in the second round, number 54 overall to the Guardians. Uh, signed for 1.3 mil. Um, you know, hard to put into words what Parker Messick meant to Florida State. Um, it's also hard to put into words how good Parker was to work with, to cover, just to talk to. Um, he's truly one of a kind in, in how he works off the field and how he works on the field. I mean, absolute competitor on the mound. You're never going to find anyone who's more of a bulldog on the mound. And I don't care what the stats say or who he's facing. There was no one in college baseball this year I would have ever wanted starting one game that you had to win more than Parker because you just know what you're going to get. You know that he's that competitor and um, he's just a, he's just a special kind of bulldog on the mound. And off the mound, he's he's a thoughtful kid that is he's respectable to everyone he talks to and he's just really fun to be around. And I think he was someone that um, every player on the, in that locker room respected and, and, and was happy to be around every day and looked forward to him starting on, on every Friday. So, uh, you know, I think Parker should go down as a Florida State legend for everything he did on the mound, but also for everything he did on the field. He was just he was just exceptional in every single way while he was here. Uh, Bryce went round three, number 94 overall, signed for 522.5K. You know, I think Bryce has a real chance at the next level. I think Parker does too. Um, you know, Bryce, I don't think, had the year that he wanted to this past year, but still his numbers weren't you know, they weren't bad. They were still good numbers. It just the efficiency in the second half of the year wasn't where he wanted it. And sometimes I think it's almost because Bryce is almost too smart for himself and thinks a lot about what his pitches are going to do. And, um, you know, when that stuff is right, when it's playing like it should, when the spin rates are up, when the fastball's in the zone, um, Bryce can be really dominant. And we saw that early in the year. And, you know, if they can get him back on track and with the slider, figure out how he wants to use the slider and the curveball off of each other. Uh, you know, I think that's when Bryce will really take off at the at that next level. Uh, Brett Roberts was the third guy that got drafted, round 16, uh, 476 second overall by the Miami Marlins. He signed for 100 100k. Um, you know, I really do think that could be one of the steals of the draft. I just I I've, I think very highly of of Brett's bat skills, his bat talent, his bat to ball skills. Um, it, it's hard to find a guy that can put the bat on the ball the way he can nowadays. It's just, there's not too many guys like that. And it's just, I just think that Brett's hands are good enough to get to, to any fastball, but also to be able to adjust, um, to any off speed pitches. Uh, he hit that second half of the year after he was, you know, that first half of the year, he was just felt like he was pushing the ball to opposite field a lot because that's what he was getting told to do. But once you saw him kind of, get back to his strength the pull side in the second half of the year and really throw the bat head out at some balls um i mean he thought i thought he was the most consistent hitter for fsc that second half of the year 
I want to say he hit 355 over the last 30 some games um, with a bunch of extra base hits. And, um, you know, the reason he probably slides in this draft is his defense, which we've seen him struggle. Um, but, you know, the glove is there, in my opinion. It's just the arm. And it's, I don't think it's a talent thing as much as it is a, a confidence thing with Brett with his arm. Um, and I think if someone can just get him in the system and really work on him with that and just give him some confidence and he sees some confidence that he could be a second baseman, but he could also be, you know, first baseman, or third baseman. We'll see what he ends up being. But at the end of the day, wherever Brett is, if it's the outfield, if it's third, first base, second base, third base, um, I believe that kid can hit. And I believe he can hit at any level he goes to and hit somewhere around 300 like he did here. Um, it's just ever since I've seen him hit for the first time, I've been a believer in that bat and what he can do. A couple more notes on the draft. Um, you know, Jordan Carrion was draft eligible, but he was not selected. I think Jordan was pretty set on coming back and, and helping this team get better this, this upcoming year. Um, so he'll be back at Florida State and likely be the starting shortstop again. Um, the two, two top, you know, none of those recruits got selected, like I said. Top two guys, Cam Smith and Jordan Taylor, both probably had money thrown their way that they turned down. Um, they're both a little older for the class, but um, they're super, extremely talented uh, kids that have, you know, the tools that are going to play at the next level someday. Um, undrafted free agents-wise, Jonas Scalaro and Davis Hare were both signed. Uh, Jonah ended up with the White Sox, and, and Davis ended up with the Giants. Um, don't know how much either of those guys signed for exactly, but um, just, you know, glad to see those guys get th- those opportunities. And, you know, I think they both have a role. They both have roles in pro ball. I mean, Jonah, we saw at the end how good he can be as a starter um, with the the four-pitch mix he has. And, and when he's really settled into a game and, and mixing things up, it, it's hard to key in on one thing with Jonah. It's, guys are guessing a lot sometimes. And if you get a tick or two to the fastball velocity – um, you never know. I'm, yeah, there's a chance there with Jonah. And with Davis, that splitter is always going to give him a chance. That thing, when it's on, is it, it's wicked, and it's one of the harder pitches to hit. So um, wrap that up, wrap draft talk up there. Um, I think we'll move into transfer portal. Uh, Florida State, you know, they lost a good, bit, good handful of guys um, to the portal, also brought in a couple additions. Um, the guys going out, some of the highlights – are some of the key guys going out. Um, Tyler Martin is transferring to Troy. Uh, Jackson Nazoo is headed to Louisiana. Dylan Jacobs headed to Stetson. Mays White headed to UAB. And Dylan Simmons is going to Pitt. Um, play for Mike Bell, who just got an extension up there. Um, so we'll still see Dylan. Uh, you know, we've played Troy a couple times in the last few years. So, and same with Stetson. So you may see Jacobs and, and T Mart as well as again. Um, Coming in for FSU out of the portal, McGuire Holbrook and, and Brennan Oxford. Holbrook was the very first addition for, for Link um, a while back. It was just a couple days after the press conference or maybe the day after the press conference um, to announce Link's hiring. Um, and So it's been a little bit since then, but, I mean, that, that was it's a really big addition for Florida State, just that type of bat. Um, he is a middle-of-the-order bat. He's going to hit somewhere three through five in that order. Um He's coming from West Virginia. He is from the Orlando area in Florida, though. Uh, he'll be a junior this upcoming year. Uh, last season at West Virginia, he had a 327 average with 19 extra base hits. Six of those extra base hits left the yard for home runs, although I do think there is 
more pop in that bat. I think there's I think there's double digit home run possibility in that bat, especially at Hauser if you can use the opposite field. Um, he had a 9-10 OPS. The big thing here is he's got elite bats of all skills. Even though he's a bit of a bigger guy and more of a power hitter, he's only strike he only struck out 11% of his at bats last season. Um, that was the first thing when he was added. It was I was like, all right, here we go. I I, I really like that. That's that's exactly what this lineup needed. It was it, what it needs to be infused with. I think um, he is a primary catcher, but. I think it's going to kind of be a wait-and-see thing if he's an everyday catcher defensively. Uh, he started 20 games behind the plate for West Virginia last year. He also started 27 games as the DH. Um, when he started behind the plate, he threw out three of 18 runners and had nine pass balls, also three errors. So the numbers defensively weren't too pretty in those 20 starts, but um, just have to wait and see how he progresses defensively um, with the coaches here and, and how what that whole group looks like. Um, you know, when we get into fall ball this upcoming season. Uh, the other ad was Brendan Oxford from Wake Forest. He will be a redshirt senior this upcoming year. Um, he did struggle at Wake, uh, 6.6 ERA and 21 walks in 15 innings this past season. Obviously, the walk number there pops out. But he did have a really good summer in the Cape. Mentioned his numbers earlier and how he was an um, all-star up there. Um, he's going to... He's a guy that, you know, the numbers don't pop off the page when you look at Wake, his Wake history. But to me, he's a very good fit for Florida State and what they needed. FSU needed a guy. They needed a left-handed pitcher out of the bullpen that's going to miss left-handed bats because they don't really have any proven guys outside of Wyatt Cruel who you want in a much bigger role than just lefty-lefty um, to be facing, to be getting those opportunities to go and get one left-handed bat out or you know you got an inning with two left-handed bats coming up you know Oxford's going to be that guy I think for Florida State this year that he goes and gets left-handed bat out because he has a high spin slider that's been real effective that was real effective in the Cape this summer um, he told me his spin spin rate on that slider is up to 2900 rpm which is which is pretty elite uh, fastball will work in the low 90s um, also has some good metrics metrics on it I think he's been up to 92 uh, he's working on developing a changeup. Not really a part of his arsenal yet, but is working it in. Um, so, you know, I just think that will be a good fit if they can get him to be in the strike zone. That, you know, it's going to be tough for lefties to get on the slider. I mean, it's it's it can be wicked at times when he's throwing it right. Um, and just other thing on the portal, like I mentioned, Cade Bush had entered, but he is coming back to Florida State. Um, you know, I think that was just it, they just need they needed first baseman first baseman on the roster and um you know Cade's the type of guy that I think he's gonna hit in college and I think the numbers this summer showed that and once you know he was finding some success this summer he was green lighted to come back um but I think he can be kind of a Quincy Porty type just big right-handed hitter that mashes that's always what Cade's been to me in my eyes and I think he's a guy that could have some success could have success at the college level at the plate um Incoming recruiting class. Move on to that for the next topic. Will be it's it's a large incoming class. It's number ten in the country, I believe. Um, when on perfect game, you know, I think they have it as number four when you look on there. But if you take out Nico Perez, who Nico Perez had been committed to Florida State a while back, but was no longer com- com- considered a commitment after signing day this this past year. Um, so you take him out of that recruiting class. It's number ten in the country. 
uh, 18 prep guys coming coming in and one JUCO commit. Um, you know, the 18th prep guy was Lance Triple. I know that was wasn't someone that was on the on a list for a while, and that people were surprised to see him on the roster. Um, Triple was out of Sarasota. He's a primary catcher. Can also play outfield. He's pretty athletic. He was committed to West Florida as a quarterback to go play uh, football there, but decided to walk. Uh, to, decided to play baseball at Florida State instead um so he, he's just a high level athlete i think you haven't seen him in person yet um so we'd like to see him out at fall ball um to get a real uh you know scout on him uh, but that is another addition to that class that was might have been unexpected by some um jordan williams is the juco outfielder hit 300 plus with some stolen bases and pop at uh san jacinto i don't know if i'm saying that right uh, this past season he's a switch hitter outfielder I do think he'll be a guy that will be in a position battle to go and play early because um, FSU doesn't have a ton of left-handed badge switch hitters so uh, and he's an athlete and this 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 coaching staff wants athletes on on the field and they want guys that are going to defend on the field Cameron Smith is the highest ranked of the class that's coming in this year um, and he's ready to play now he's ready to start now he's a high level um, left side of the infield type. Uh, he's shortstop long term, but you know I think he'll be a third baseman this year for Florida State with the return of carry on um, and the need on each corner. Um, and I think Smith can play third base, and his body fits a third base. I believe he's six foot four, six three, six four. I don't remember exactly which one he's listed at on on the roster, but he'll be the guy that I think he'll be the freshman to me that is. He's gonna. I think he'll start. We'll have to see how that goes. But right now, in my mind, he's a guy that I think is day one ready um, and can make an impact as a freshman, like Jaime and, and those guys did last year. But um, you know, have to go to through fall ball and see how those guys fit in, how they transition to to this level of, of baseball. Uh, Jordan Taylor is also the other one that turned down the draft um, and probably could have been selected if he wanted to. Extremely toolsy center fielder, runs like a six two sixty. Um, has some real raw pop in the bat, um, can range all over the place in center field, has been up to 95 from the outfield, I believe. Um, so the tools are real. And, I mean, it's. I think I would describe it kind of as a maybe a more powerful and twitchy J.C. Flowers. Um, it's not going to look as smooth, but there's that the, – the way J.C. covered ground in the outfield – you know, I think Jordan is someone that can cover ground like that and also have the big big arm in center field like J.C. did, um, but probably a little more power at the plate. Um, ben Barrett, to me, is the other one that I highlight when looking at this class just because I think he'll be able to give you a lot on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, he's hit, I believe he hit about 550 this year um, at the first academy and was also, I think he was their number two pitcher, if not their ace with the ERA under one and, and strikeouts galore. It's 90-plus on the mound with, with power and, and, and solid defense on the other side of the ball. Um, there's a lot there to like with him. And he's, he's been a guy for me since I saw him, I believe, in the summer of 2020 that I'd circled him and been like, he's going to help you if he gets here. If he gets to this level, he's going to help you on both sides of the ball. Um, so there's a, lot of kids in, there's a lot of kids in that class, and there's a lot of kids that, the former staff thought, you know, there were kids that were underrated and kids that can really help you maybe from day one. A lot of kids that are athletes, a lot of kids that can play defense at a higher level than, you know, what the roster was at before. Um, so it's a class that's going to help. It's going to move 
move this program forward, I think. And it starts with, probably starts with Cam Smith and, and what he can be, you know, if he, if he hits his potential. Um, recruiting overall, that would be the next topic, um, you know, how, how that's going and, and what it's going to look like going forward. You know, it got off to a bit of a rocky start, you know, lost five commits after the change in the coaching staff, and you expect that a bit. Um, but, you know, I also, for me, it was a little a little weird how the momentum got lost just because, you know, you're, you're going from meet to – to one of the best coaches in college baseball, which just to me, it was like, it, it felt like the time to capitalize momentum. And it just felt like some of that was lost early on, but they've, they've done a good job to, you know, gain some ground back in the 2023 class. Um, they lost five commits. Those commits were Tristan Russell, who's number tw- 361 in the 2023 class. He flipped to Houston. Um, Chance Fitzgerald was number 144 in the 23 class. He flipped to uh, Clemson, Skylar Sanford, number 24 in the 2024 class, flipped to Florida. And then the other two were Luke Dotson in the 23 class and Kale Fountain in the 24 class, both decommitted as well. Um, since then, Florida State's added three prep commits. Uh, the first was, was Brady Lauk, a left-handed pitcher in 23, who was formerly committed to Notre Dame. Uh, I believe he was, I want to say he was either Notre Dame's top-ranked recruit for that class or second. Uh, he's number 187 overall in the class out of Illinois. Uh, he's been up to 93 on the mound, low effort, 89-91. He reminds me a good bit of, of Jamie Arnold. He's coming in this year as, as a freshman. Um, those guys, just every time I, I watch a video, I just it, that's what it screams out to me. And just, you know, a guy that ball jumps out of his hand, throws fastball low 90s, and looks pretty athletic, looks pretty easy. It just it looks right on the mound. And, not very much so like that that addition. Um, just the other day, 2023 outfielder Brody Daylob, I just, I do not know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, there were a lot of letters in it, and I'm sorry, Brody, if I don't know how to spell your name, but I'm say your name. Uh, I'm going to give it a whirl as Brady Daylob Miller. Uh, it's as good as I'm going to do it, but... He's ranked top 500 for the class, number 16 outfielder in Florida, out of Bartram Hit Trail High School in St. Augustine. Um, hit 538 over 14 games in perfect game events this summer. Uh, scrappy hitter that puts the ball in play a lot. Uh, people I've talked to about him really do like him, even though you know he's not one of those highly ranked guys, but they think he's going to be an impact player at this level. Uh, he was, I believe he was also a Notre Dame commit. Um, 2025 left-handed pitcher Rivers Curland also committed to Florida State. He's number 196 overall in the class for 2025 out of Berkeley Prep in Tampa. Uh, played with Gunnett Carlson, who's coming in to this class, uh, this this freshman class this year. Um, Gunnett was his catcher this year, his freshman year at Berkeley. Um, so those guys know each other pretty well, I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, athletic delivery, uh, low 80s right now with the fastball. Been up to 85 has two breaking balls with field of spin, um, and he's a competitor. Uh, he was just started the state title game for Berkeley this year and, and did pretty well um, and started a lot of games for Berkeley this year as a freshman, or I believe actually he was the closer for a good part of the year and, and was starting games at the end of it to get them through playoffs. And um, So that's a good addition there. I believe his brother is headed to Florida this year. I think he... Uh, I want to say he reclassed to get into 2022, 
and is headed to Florida. So a good job by the staff to, to not let another, another curling get to, get to UF. Um, so moving on to current roster and what that's going to look like this upcoming year. Um, you got 39 players right now on the current roster. Uh, the way the NCAA rules this work this year is you can go up to 40 players with, with red shirt seniors that have a red shirt year from COVID, you know, not counting against the 35. So you could have, you know, you could, so with Florida state's case right now, they're at 39 players, but they have three red shirt seniors. So technically, you know, their numbers at 36 and those numbers are always, always work out with baseball. They just do somehow. Um, you know, number 36 right now is probably Joe Charles who may not be available this year due to Tommy John um, last March. Don't know exactly yet, but going off the timeline, you know, with Doug Kirkland last year, also had Tommy John in March the year before and didn't throw last year. Um, kind of just going with the assumption for now that Joe may not be available this year, um, but that is also a wait and see thing for now. Those process, that Tommy John process with everyone is different. And I think, I know, I think Doug had a setback or two last year so um we'll see with with joe and where he's coming along but you know i really liked what i had saw with with him coming off you know coming out of unc uh, and the work that belly had done with him last year um i really liked what i had seen with him and, and what he could be um so if you could get him back this year that'd be a huge boost but um but yeah rosters at 39 players for now three redshirt seniors eight juniors 10 sophomores and 18 freshmen uh 21 of those 39 players are newcomers, um, five catchers, eight infielders, nine outfielders, 11 right-handed pitchers, and six left-handed pitchers. Um, you know, some of those guys will move around. Sure, a catcher or two will move around. And infield, outfield, they'll be moving those guys around all fall to see where they fit. Um, so, but, you know, the big thing is just trying to find athletes and put the best defenders out on the field for this staff. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to be able – they're not going to be trying to hide anyone anywhere defensively. They're going to put nine guys out there that they trust. Um, you know, on the mound, it's going to be guys that they trust to throw strikes. In the field, it's going to be guys that they trust to make routine plays and, and, and be high-level defenders. Um, moving on to some pro player talk, uh, minor, leagues, minor leagues and, uh, you know, majors this year. Um, you know, some guys doing well highlighting some guys that are doing well this this season uh cal raleigh's probably he's doing the best on anyone he's played 90 games this year for the mariners who are in the wild card chase um 758 ops he has 18 home runs which is number two among catchers and the most for any catcher in the american league he also has a 2.8 war which is number nine among all catchers in the bigs this year um so it's been a pretty good ba- breakout year for cal you know not doesn't have great average but you know he's hitting for power and he's getting on base which you know, if you can do that as a catcher right now in the big leagues, um, they're definitely going to take it because there's not many, not many catchers that can hit in the in the bigs these days. Uh, Tyler Holton, who was called up this year for the first time, has a 2.25 ERA in nine games for the Diamondbacks. Uh, moving on to some minor league guys that have have had some success this year. Uh, Quincy Neporti has been a monster for the Tigers in Double A. Uh, 28 home runs, which is tied for the most in in his league. And a 901 OPS. Uh, Shane Drohan's another guy that recently got called up to Double A. He's in the Red Sox system. He's a 415 ERA this year and 140 Ks and 110.2 innings. Um, Shane's always someone I've thought that if he puts it together, that's a 
that's a big league starter and he's starting to find you know starting to put it together and those strikeouts are always going to be there for Shane I think he's got I think he's top five and maybe all the minors in strikeouts this year at least in his league he was um Jack Anderson has been on the tear recently he's also in the Tigers system and is currently in high a um he hasn't allowed a run since I want to say like June 21st or something uh he's 26 straight scoreless appearances in his last 20 his last 20 since july 1st he's thrown 26 innings allowed 12 hits and six walks he's struck out 31 batters and hasn't allowed a single run uh in those 26 innings for the year he's got a 335 era and 64 k's in 53.2 innings so that success with the slider um from his last two years at florida state has has translated to the pros Tyler Ahern, who's with the high A Rockies, has a 3.68 ERA over 44 innings pitch. J.C. Flowers with the double A Pirates has a 2.67 ERA over 67.1 innings pitch. Uh, Drew Paris, 3.58 ERA in triple A this year in 21 starts. And then Jonas Galaro, who's, you know, recent addition to the minor leagues, recent addition to the Knowles and the Pros, um, been off to a really good start. Uh, he's got 3.12 ERA and 26 Ks and 17.1 innings pitched. I think he's been kind of used as a bit of an opener. He's had three starts, and he's kind of gone, I think he's gone three or three innings in all those starts, um, and he's been throwing a lot of innings every 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 appearance he's made, so um, good to see that late-season success for him translate over to pro ball. Um, just one more topic before we move over to, to the mailbag and, and questions from you guys. Um, just some quick field talk so how, how's the field coming along um at florida state i can tell you that in the times that we've been at football you know working in the press box the baseball practice press box during practices you know i've just been seeing the field come along and you know i can tell you that there has been more work done to that field in the last three weeks or so and more traffic on that field than there was in the last four years I've been here, maybe combined. I mean, that field looks the best it has in a long, long time. They redid all the grass. Um, the outfield looks pretty amazing right now, very green. Um, not any dead spots like there, there were before. Um, you know, everything's cut off a certain way. The infield, everything, there's just everything there looks good right now. And you know, there's still some work to be done to it, but that new turf, that new grass they've got out there, it's it, it, it's amazing how much better it looks and how much work is going on around the field. And um, they're working hard to get things done. And, you know, Link's one of the guys that's out there every day helping them work on it recently. And, you know, Chip Baker's out there all the time doing his thing, doing a lot of little things. There's, there's times I'll be up in the press box and Chip's the only one on the field doing some stuff, you know, whether it's cutting edges or, you know, blowing, mowing, doing this and that. Um, so it's, it's been good to see, you know, how, how, how much work they've, they've put into the field because it needed it. It was, it was embarrassing at a couple times last year and, and quite frankly was kind of unplayable at times. And it's just really good to see them, you know, fix that and, and, and get, it, get it back to the level it should be at. And it should be a, one of the best fields in the country because this, should be one of the best programs in the country and how your field looks is is it's like the front cover of a book you want that to look good that's it represents you whether you like it or not that's the first thing people see when they turn on the tv is how that field looks and the way it looked last year was unacceptable at times and 
Um, right now, it just it, it gives me a lot of hope for. I know it's something small. It's just how a field, but like these are there are th certain things that they just need to be done a certain way. They need to look a certain way for a baseball program to be going in the right direction, to be presenting itself the right way. And you know, it's it just I, every day I wake, I go up there in that press box. I'm like, wow, this just looks so much better than it has in a long time. Um, so real excited to see how the field looks come come February um, this upcoming season, which hopefully we'll get there sooner than we than it feels right now. Um, let's get to some move on to the questions. Got a lot here. Try to go through them somewhat quick, but you know also put that thought into it. Um, first question of the small collective of returning talent: Who do you think is is poised for the for the biggest twenty twenty three? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that you know there's there's returners that I think are going to have even bigger years coming back. You know, Jaime, Tibbs, those guys are going to hit. They're just they're good hitters that are always going to be productive guys at this level. Um, trying to think of some other kind of guys coming back, rank those guys. Um, you know, I think Wyatt may have the biggest year on everyone. Just what he does in the mound at this level, I just his stuff is just it's untouchable for college hitters at times. I mean, it's, it's just the real deal. There's, it's just so good. I mean, I just, the, I think the world of, of Wyatt on the mound and, and what he can be and what he can do. And, um, I think production wise, I think maybe he'll have the biggest year hitters wise, hard not to say Jaime again, just the way he hit last year and the consistency that he played with playing every single day as a freshman. Uh, next question number one need that has to be addressed this, for this upcoming season probably just there's a need uh, there's a large need for some left a left-handed bat to either emerge or for them to go pick up left-handed bats I mean if you were to project the lineup right now James Tibbs may be your only left-handed hitter I think there's I want to say there's four left-handed hitters on this roster or five left-handed hitters on this roster with one switch hitter. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of those left-handed hitters are freshmen. You just, you don't have a ton of balance in the lineup. And last year's team, it, it last year's team had some balance in the lineup, but they they had no left-handed bat off the bench that they could turn to when they needed to late in the game. And, you know, looking at this roster right now, it may be tough for them to find that too. Um, but, you know, they could have some answers there if freshmen develop quicker than than you think or if you know you go and make a late addition out of the portal like like the last year's staff did with with Brock Mathis coming in in January um, you could do something like that but for me when I look at this roster I just there just needs to be more balance with the bats of righty and lefty so that you can do different things day to day depending on who you're facing and so you can make maneuvers late in games to to get the matchups that you want um, so yeah I think Left-handed bats and balance in the lineup is, is probably the, the number one need for, for me at, at this time. And I think the biggest need for me coming in had been a left-handed arm in the pen so you could let Wyatt go and be something, go and be, you know, a starter or go and be a reliever that eats up innings like he did last year too. But that had been the number one need for me, and I think they addressed that. Um, so I think, you know, a left-handed first baseman would probably be the most specific thing you need probably. Uh, but overall, you just need more balance in the in the in the lineup. Uh, you know, a lot of people ask me what I would predict uh, 
the starting rotation to be. Um, there's a lot of guys that, that could start. Um, if I had to give you, if I had to give you one set of three guys, I'm going Friday to Sunday um, for the weekend staff right now. And my 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 very best guess. It's I don't have information from the coaches or anything like that that they told me who it's going to be. It's just what my best guess is right now. And right now, who would be my three guys? Um, you know, right now I would, I'd probably go Wyatt, Wyatt Crowell on Friday, Jackson Baumeister on on Saturday, and, and Connor Whitaker on Sunday. The one guy for me out of those three that I think really is like is hundred percent a guy that is going to be a weekend starter. I I would say is Connor Whitaker because to me he's just everything you need in a college starter, and he's just going to be consistent and and give you week in and week out a, a quality start. And, you know, I've said for a long time that I compare him to Connor Grady and just that the the way he works on the mound and his three-pitch mix for strikes and everything moves, but, you know, I think he can be even better than than Connor in, in some ways. Um, you know, Wyatt, you know, some people might, you know, be a little confused about him as a starter, but, you know, I think Wyatt can start, and I think he can be – a very good starter. My one question with Wyatt as a starter is just his long, like his long-term durability. Is he going to be able to eat those innings for an entire entire uh, season? Is he going to be able to throw strikes for an entire season if he keeps building up those innings? But you know, to me, you just put your best pitcher in, on Friday. You, at least at the beginning of the season, you put your best pitcher on Friday. Let him go to work, and Wyatt is the best pitcher on this roster, and he might be the best pitcher stuff wise in, in, in the entire conference um that's just how good he can be when you throw mid 90s from the left with a white bounce slider and his changeup has gotten a lot better i think and I, I think he can do it if, if he's built up that way i think why it can be your friday guy now, i mean there's other guys on this roster that can start you know carson obviously but it's just we i've, I've got to see a refined efficiency a refined you know his the way that the pitchers work off each other and, and him just you know giving up less hard contact and 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 throwing more strikes and giving you more innings than he has you know as as a weekend starter in the past um so i think that's definitely another potential um you know jamie arnold maybe he was the number one starter at jesuit this past season could be a guy that potentially starts uh then ben barrett if he you know really refined you know if he has some refined command he quickly becomes you know a guy that can eat up innings for you uh brett barfold another freshman that could possibly do it um so they've got some options but you know for me i think the big three that you know are probably going to be fighting for two of those spots are, are wyatt carson and, and, and baumeister because you know to me those are your three highest ceilings guys and you know, some people might look at the rotation and, and be like, you know, be worried about it. And, you know, I understand that. And I have some questions myself. You know, there's not a ton of experience on it, but there's still some there's still some real live arms on that staff and some real, you know, the the, the ceiling for that staff is still extremely high because you have guys like Montgomery and Baumeister who haven't clicked to this level yet, but you know that they can be the best of the best if they do if you get the best out of Carson Montgomery it's a first rounder if you get the best out of Jackson Baumeister it's first rounder um and you know those guys aren't as far off as the numbers might say in my opinion either I mean for Baum it's going to just take getting the fastball in the strike zone more I mean the and 
probably getting a breaking ball for strike, getting a breaking ball for swing and misses. If he can do those two things, he's a dominant starter. If if Carson can get more consistent and be efficient and attack the zone and, and really go at hitters all the time, then, I mean, we know why Carson was rated as high as he was coming out of high school, and he still has that stuff. It's just about finding the, the consistency to do it day in, week in, and week out um, for you to be able to be a, be a weekend starter. Um, but, yeah, my three right now would probably be Crowell, Baumeister, and, and Whitaker. And I just of, – of all those guys, I think Whitaker is probably the most ready to be a weekend starter in college baseball right now, right today. But I think all those guys by the end of fall will we'll probably know – if, if they've developed into that, if they can be that or not, if they can withhold, if they can do that for a whole season. Um, with what is returning, where are we strongest? Where are we weakest? Um, I think you're, you're strongest in the outfield right now, probably, with with you have your returners and Tibbs and, and Ferrer. Um, and you also have, you have numbers out there too, and you've, you've got athletes coming in. If you had, when you had Jordan Taylor... Jordan Williams to the mix with with Jaime and, and James, and then also add on a DMS Ross as a freshman who I think can can hit at this level. Um, and I think Jason Avila and, and Mason McDougal and McDougal is this is the son of of Marshall. I think those guys are probably a little bit more projects, but you know they they have some depth in the outfield. If if, if these get, if the young kids develop quickly, they have a lot of numbers out there. And you have your two cornerstones in left field and right field. Um, you know what you're going to get in those two guys. And then at center with, with the two Jordans, Jordan Taylor and Jordan Williams, you have a lot of potential there. You've got two athletes that I think can field at a high level and, and can run and, and can you know make an impact with the bat as well. Um, so I think that is probably your biggest strength right now. I think you also have you know a strength at, at the catcher just with the depth there um, with five five catchers and you know Colton's coming back as well and he may not be the starter but the best thing for Colton might be you know being a guy that plays once a weekend rather than three times a weekend and you know if Baz is healthy and and Santiago and Gunnett you know the two freshmen play like the way I think they can play and be the players I think they can be then I think that's a deep group right there with with transfer Holbrook as well um weaknesses um first base right now is probably the biggest weakness just because you really only have one primary first baseman on your roster in Cade Bush and and Cade's a, a guy that needs some time defensively to, to be out there every single day um, needs some polishing defensively to, to be an everyday first baseman um, and also just the experience on the mound is it's a little thin um, you know especially left-handed wise outside of Wyatt um, you know you have Oxford coming in but he hasn't had much experience here and he didn't really throw that much at wake last year um you also have armstrong coming back but armstrong hasn't hasn't thrown you know a whole lot in his first two years here and outside of that it's all freshmen um so just inexperience on the mound but i i i do like some i do like the options they have and the ceiling of some of those kids especially if a doug kirkland comes back from tommy john and looks right on the right-handed side um, that's a dominant arm potentially out of your bullpen. So, um, you know, it's hard to define strengths and weaknesses right now when you haven't seen the whole team together, how they perform together and how they work together. But, um, 
that's I think those that would be the, my strengths and weaknesses right now. Um, how quickly can this coaching staff make an impact? Could it be this year? Um, I think this coaching staff makes an impact from the second that first meeting happens to begin the fall semester the other day. Um, I think there's just going to be an impact in the way that players approach their everyday business when they see how this new coaching staff attacks the day-to-day things and the, and the detail which, which with which they do things, the organization in which they do things, um, just the behind-the-scenes stuff that they do and all the work that they put into it. Um, it's it's going to be different how the organization is from the top down. And I think that just overall, it's going to make the everything run a little easier, a little smoother. Um, and I think they, they're going to impact the program every single day. And I think that will lead to a difference of what it looks like on the field. So um, I, I, I think there will be an impact from opening day. I think you'll see it on the field. Um, someone asked Byer Sinone, FSU hosts a regional this year. Uh, um, I hope so. I haven't seen one here yet since I've been here, so I hope so. But um, if I was to have to put stock on that right now, I'd probably known it um, just because there's not a whole lot of experience on this roster. And, um, you know, you do have some – you do have – some places where you need to figure out what you're going to look like. And I mean, you really have to figure it out everywhere except for your two corner outfield spots and, and shortstop. You're going to have, you know, probably a new starter everywhere else in my opinion right now. So, um, there's just a lot to figure out. And, um, you know, this coaching staff obviously has had success in, in making teams and making that Notre Dame team a regional host. So, um, I wouldn't blame anyone for buying that right now, but I would just own it for now. Um, Maybe that will change after the fall and seeing what this team looks like. But um, just with the current roster and how everything looks, how a depth chart looks, uh, I'd probably own it. Uh, Another person asks, as someone who doesn't follow much college baseball or baseball in general, what is the biggest draw for this year's team to encourage casual fans to tune in? Um... I mean, just for me personally, I just I I I want to see how this team plays defensively. You know, after the way it's played the last few years, um, I guess that's not really a draw draw for a casual fan, though. Mm, I mean, Jaime Ferrer is probably a good enough draw for for casual fans. He's uh, Wyatt Crowell is a good enough draw for for casual fans. Those guys are just they're they're fun to watch. Wyatt mostly because he's just so dominant, and Jaime because of the way he plays the game. Um, that I think for anyone, even casual baseball fans, it's, it's it's fun to go and watch Jaime Ferrer play baseball. The passion he plays with, and just how good he is as well. Um, you know, those are the things that I look forward to when I you know. Am heading to the field. It's you know, am I going to get to see Wyatt throw today and and just put some dudes away with K, strikeout after strikeout? Is Jaime Ferrer going to do something crazy and come run, slide into third base screaming? Um, those are the things personally that I look forward to. Um, and those are probably the two most talented players in this roster. So, tech casual fan to tune in, probably the, the what you're looking for there. 
Which program are you buying more stock in moving forward? Football, basketball, or baseball, and why? It's probably some bias, but uh, I would say baseball. I think that you have... I personally think that you have maybe the best college baseball coach in the country now on this campus, if not one of the best. And just because of that, I, I believe in that program and where it, where it's going. And, you know, I do think that there's going to be investments made there in the future, maybe not right away because, you know, stuff with football needs to get done first, football only facility and that stuff. Um, you know, I just, with link, I, this program is going to move in the direct, right direction. It's just, I fully believe that just with the, the organization, the, the, the attention to detail and, and how everything is done and how much thought is put into everything. I can hundred percent put trust into that and, and what that's going to look like long-term. And that's why I would probably buy stock into that program, you know, more than the other two. But, you know, like I said, there, there definitely could be some bias there. Um, another question going into the fall, what freshmen are you most excited to see on the field? I'm um, asking about both bats and arms. Um, you know, highlighting some guys. Cam Smith, obviously, uh, is probably the big one, probably the biggest one, and just because I think he can be the type of guy that almost changes what it, what what one team can look like if he reaches his potential. I mean, you know, I'd been told a long time while back that if if Cam Smith got to Florida State and he developed here for a couple of years, that he could look like a guy that goes top 10 picks and in the draft down at college because the body type and, and what he can be with the bat, the power that he possesses. Um, and he's almost a five-tool guy, and just, you just like everything that he can do for you. Um, Jordan Taylor, I can't wait to watch those tools and, and what that looks like, um, that speed, that power, that combo of, of those two things. Um, that excites me a lot. Ben Barrett, like I said, um, the way he can, the way he can dominate the game on both sides of the ball when he's going right, excites me. Um, there's a lot of other guys in the in this in this uh, recruiting class that I like though. Um, you know, some that really excite me. I, I I've always liked DMS Ross. I've always been very high on DMS Ross, and um, he's kind of unique at the plate. Kind of a unique stance, gets real wide, and can be a bit of a slap hitter at times. But I just he he plays with a lot of energy. He's just gets on base, finds his way to impact the game and those are the type of kids that I really like in the college game that just they put pressure on other teams and kind of make them crumble at times in the field um so looking forward to seeing him at this level um you know personally Ryan Dennison and Jamie Arnold you know as coming from Jesuit myself those are guys are both Jesuit guys um so looking forward to seeing them um you know I think Davian Davian Hickson's another one probably um that I really am looking forward to the progression he makes on the mound um, comes from IMG right-hander, low 90s most of the time from the right side. Um, but the thing for me that really excites me is just his his potential. His He's just so low, low effort, lanky. There's a lot more in there for Davian, and I think, I think he's just starting to tap into what he could be, and he could be a really, really good arm down the road. So I think those would be some of those guys I highlight. But, you know, there's going to be other guys, too, that I think have a chance to do something this year. And and be good players at Florida State in their time here. I'll just do two more questions to get this this thing over with now that we're over an hour, and I'm sure there's not that many people left listening. I don't know. 
if there's that many people that want to listen to me talk for an hour straight. Um, but two, a couple more questions. Uh, what do you expect to be the biggest difference from last year to this year? Could be general fields, stats, etc. Um, I think the biggest difference will just be this team's preparation going into every game. Um, there is so much attention to detail with this staff and so much that goes on to goes into the preparation for every single game and the preparation to every single offense they face, every single hitter they face, every single pitcher they face. Um, there is such a great deal of attention and preparation. There's so much that goes into it. They, they use the metrics, they use video, whatever they've got to use to be prepared to go out every day and look like a team that's ready to play and is that it's a team that's knows what's coming from the opponent because of the preparation that the coaches have put in and I think another big difference is difference will just be the way this team practices because you know the thing I've heard about the staff the most almost is how well their practices are run and how every day provides something new for the players and and present something new to them and how they're just constantly working on 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 bettering everyone's and, and, and developing everyone and um, you know, I just think that will go into that preparation for every game they play. And, um, you know, I just I'm looking forward to the overall organization of, of, of the whole program and, and how that translates to, to on the field. I think I'm actually going to wrap up there. Um, got a lot of information on this on this podcast and don't know if I can talk much longer without going crazy a little bit and sure my mom's probably the only one still listening at this point so hi mom hope you're having a great day um hope everyone enjoyed this episode if if there are people still listening and you know if you can go and like us on on apple Podcasts, leave us a review a rating anything you can do to help us out um we're gonna try to do more episodes here moving forward didn't have you know didn't have many this summer and just weren't on great schedules to do that but um, you know, we are looking forward to still doing this podcast and, and putting out the best information about Florida State baseball, you know, hoping to sit down and, and, you know, talk to these coaches soon and, you know, get some of those, get some interviews on this podcast, get some things going. And, you know, hopefully that narrows down the time till there's baseball again in, in Dick Houser Stadium. Looking forward to fall ball and getting out there. No date for that set yet, but, um, you know, looking forward to seeing the garnet and gold back on the diamond um but for now i'm brett nevitt uh you can follow sunday golds on twitter at at sunday golds for every episode that we drop and subscribe to us on apple spotify wherever you can find podcasts um we're on there so um thanks for listening and hope you enjoyed another episode of sunday golds of florida state baseball podcast